Hello, and welcome to Our Food is Our Future, presented by Eat Well Saskatchewan and the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm your host and food explorer, Mo Matthew. Today our guest is Doug Hindford. Chef Doug Hindford is a member of the Pipicus Cree Nation near Capel Valley. Doug has worked in kitchens throughout Canada and attended the Pacific Institute of Culinary Arts in Vancouver. He's been the executive chef of the Gold Eagle Casino, Wenaskewin Heritage Park, Radisson Inn, Saskatoon Inn, and the Spirit Ridge Resort in Osoyoos. He has also been the director of culinary at a retirement residence, as well as a flying camp chef for Northern Camps around Saskatchewan. Doug has a certified chef de cuisine designation from SAIT in Calgary, as well as a love of traditional foods. Currently, Doug is the Director of Hospitality for Wenaskewin Heritage Park. Everybody, this is Doug. Hey, Doug. Thank you very much for uh, stopping by today. Um, we're going to get things rolling for our podcast, Our Food is Our Future, by having you tell us about yourself, where you're from, your background, and your current role. Sure. So I'm a member of Topeka Seas First Nation near southern Saskatchewan, uh, near Fort Capel. But I was born and raised in Ottawa. I've been a, I was a line cook all over Canada, um, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Kingston, Victoria, Vancouver, Sunshine Coast. And I was a hell of a good line cook. Uh, I was a gunner. I could get you through anything. But at uh, 35, I was like, you know what? I, I don't know if I want to be flipping hamburgers my entire life. So um, and I was mostly working in pubs, that kind of thing. Um, breakfast joints i was i was a shift supervisor at the broadway cafe so accustomed to you know busy busy wait times but yeah i decided uh, if i'm going to keep doing this let's let's get some credentials so the saskatoon tribal council helped me and funded me to go to the pacific institute of culinary arts on granville island uh six month course because by this time now my knife skills were fine and I had a lot of kitchen experience, so I thought, you know what, I, I just want six months with a chef, and and um, I was the annoying student with his hand always up and asking questions, but why, but why, chef, chef, but why, <laughs> <laughs> um, which, they, you know, they liked and would take me out for beers afterwards, and we'd talk about things a bit more, so I did that, and then I, while I was do, in school, I was a uh, brunch cook at the Five Point in Vancouver on Main Street and they said well Doug like the the day you get your diploma do you want to be our sous chef and I was like sure and true to their word the day I graduated well the next day uh (laughs) they're like do you want to be our sous chef and I said sure so I was a sous chef there a busy little pub just outside of downtown Vancouver and then um my goal was always to come back to Saskatoon, and I knew that uh, they were building a or talking about building a casino in Saskatoon. And so I contacted Siga. I was like, "Hey, I'm interested. When this happens, let me know. I'm interested." And they said, "Well, sure, but we we do need an executive chef at Gold Eagle Casino." And I couldn't really say, no, not that casino, the other casino. <laughs> <laughs> so I took that job and I started with uh, Siga's executive chef of Gold Eagle Casino, my first executive chef job. And then uh, when Dakota Dunes opened, I, I 
was part of the team that opened up Dakota Dunes. Wow. Yeah, no, it was, and then, then from there it was, off, then I went off to Wanuskewin. Well, actually, I, and then uh, for the first time I was at Wanuskewin, and then I went off and I never had the experience in hotels, so I was executive sue at the, at that time it was the Radisson, and then our sister hotel was Saskatoon Inn, so they needed an executive chef, so I took that job. And then from there, I went to a Soyuz Spirit Ridge Resort and became the, started as the executive chef there for, um, I think it was three or four months. And then they made me director of food and beverage and uh, ran that place. I also started up a cooking, uh, professional cooking course for the Soyuz Indian Band that I've run during the off season there. And then... um, yeah, just kind of bounced around a little bit more, came back to Saskatoon, worked at uh, Choices at the university with uh, Chef Andreas, and then um, worked at a retirement village for Rivera. Then I did some uranium exploration camps, uh, which was really fun. Uh, one was uh, north of, of La Loche, but the really interesting one was... Uh, um, on an island, an uninhabited island in the middle of Lake Athabasca, where I cooked for six geologists and prospectors. And they were like, Doug, it's a 31-day a thirty-one day contract. Fly out and look and cook for these people. And I said, sure. A hundred days later, <laughs> it was the last float plane that was, I could land on on uh, Lake Athabasca before freeze up, and we got uh, out of there. And that was a, a super relaxed cooking for six people, hanging out on this small little, I'm gonna guess, five acre island, um, cooking for people. Wow, it, it, it was interesting. And then uh, eventually, I made like the bison. I too shall return to Wanuskewin. <laughs> became their indigenous culinary manager and in in my what seems to be my my form one year later i became director of hospitality wow wow it's like a map of canada there sir yes definitely <laughs> definitely see that's so important because in your in your answer i've got a lot of questions to kind of explore so now we can get going okay the the term uh traditional food means something different to almost everybody and you're you're closer than most so what's your take on it what what does traditional food mean to you and and this is a this is a a loaded question (laughs) it's it's been a bit of my quest because Yes, I've been executive chef of, of some of Sega's uh, casinos, wanting an indigenous experience, um, running Wanuskewin, which to me is the mecca of, you know, 6,400 years now we've been gathering there and and uh, processing bison and getting ready for spending the winters and, and, you know, having that relationship with the land, which is our relationship with food. I'm a indigenous person who was taken away from the reserve, put in white society. My mom comes from a background of 
uh, her dad was the first Indigenous man to own a tractor, first Indigenous man in Western Canada to own a car. He was um, founding father of FSIN. He was born in 18, we think, 72, 1875. He always instilled in my mom, you have to learn the white man ways. And then mom was taken to uh, residential school. And again, learning you, assimilation is the only way to survive. So, you know, there's a, a loss of culture there. I've, uh, I've learned how to be adaptable and how to, to walk in, the, in a white man's world. But I've lost a lot of my touch within um, Indigenous culture. So part of this journey now is getting back to that. To me, traditional foods is I have a bit of an understanding of how of the technologies that were involved and the needs that were had to be met in a nomadic nation that we are from. Uh, we're from Treaty 4, prairie walkers and bison followers. You know, as opposed to, say, somebody on the West Coast who, who you know, tra- everything is there for them, the oysters, the sea, the vegetation, and, and that type of thing. So uh, traditional foods for my area of, of so-called Canada is, is that, that understanding for me is, is lost. So I'm, I'm looking at wild games. I'm looking at plants that were native uh, pre-contact uh, you know, plants, vegetation that was here, cooking styles, stewing, roasting, um, you know, a bit of pit pit cooking. And then I work that because I'm trained. I, I went to Pacific Institute of Culinary Arts. I'm a classically French haute cuisine trained chef. So I marry, I marry that. I, and I, I have a brigade in my kitchen. So I'm using my, my French techniques. And then combining the, the flavors that I see as being traditional indigenous food. I find that it's a little bit easier now. I mean, things have changed since my mom's generation. But if you want to learn powwow dancing, if you want to learn bison hide or, or hide tanning, if you want to learn beading, these are all. And if you want to learn the language, these are all resources that are readily available. Those traditional cooking techniques are squirreled away with the kokum, like, <laughs> you know, and as in all good cooks and chefs, we tend to have our little secret <laughs> recipes. <laughs> squirreled away is right. That's, that's a great way to put it. So we're, it, it's a journey to un- unlock and, and get access to and give the, the tobacco and have a tobacco question of, you know, how did we do this? How was this done? What are the traditional techniques? So I cannot, I am by no means an expert in tra- traditional cooking. I'm a, an expert in um, influenced and blending. And, um, you know, so yes, I, I mean, I have some knowledge, but I have so much more knowledge to to gain and i think that's kind of the the next part of my career while still being at wanaskewin is is trying to get access to that old information that's a that's a tough one because on on top of you getting that information then we also 
people, elders put parameters on what we can share and who we can share with. And so you've, you're going to have a lot of battles coming up then, Doug. <laughs> and, you know, charming smile, some tobacco, and, uh, and a good laugh, and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, that's funny that you mentioned the bison a couple times, because that was one of my questions. Now, the bison coming back to the land was a pretty historic moment. Have you incorporated bison onto your menu more since they've returned or less and why pretty much everything has bison and one escaping i mean i, I exaggerate but it, it is it is prevalent why is because here's the other um here's the other hurdles of trying to run a commercial kitchen and then and deliver uh, an indigenous experience bison are coming from farms they go to a slaughterhouse, they get a federal provincial stamp, food inspectors are happy. Elk we can get, there are some elk farms. Rabbit is harder to source, but there, there are some rabbit farms in Quebec. Um, duck, I can kind of source. Goose, now, right now is costing me darn near $96 for a goose, you know. And then at the same time that I'm spending that money, there's like a flock of geese flying over one escape. And I'm like, damn you. <laughs> so, you know, I would, what I, what I want to do in my role and where I'm at at one escape, to me, one escape is a bridge, you know, it, it's where you can go as a non-indigenous person and ask a stupid question somewhere where you're, it's to make you feel comfortable to ask questions. It's a part of that reconciliation. It's a question that you might be embarrassed to ask an indigenous person on the street, but this is a safe place where you can ask questions. So I also and have the an experience. So I want to have the taste. What I'm bringing is a taste of indigenous cuisine, and all, bison was a big part of it. So it, it is. Um, for our region so and we have two bison jumps there it, it's a big part of the story so hence they're you know the bison offering but honestly it's a, a lot guided by what i can do is for um the, the sha will let me serve i would love to do moose nose and i'd love to do uh moose heart and and a moose heart stroganoff you know why not but i i can't you know and, and then the other struggles is my venison trying to find a, a an abattoir that'll butcher venison is tough because they have to totally clean out their their um, butcher shop process the venison complete sterilization when that's done and it's just not feasible for them so when i was getting a venison it was red red deer from uh from australia you know and super expensive and i got to charge a lot of money but who doesn't have an uncle or a dad or a grandfather with you know half a deer in their freezer and so <laughs> you want you want how much for uh uh, uh venison osobuco well, dad's got a whole bunch of deer sausage like <laughs> <laughs> so so with that that's kind of that's kind of a neat neat problem because we're trying to eat from the land but we can't eat from the land because of those restrictions. I've heard in many different circles that those 
laws and rules might be relaxed, but until I see it, um, I'm just going to cross my fingers. But do you think Winnescawin should be a leader of sourcing and uh, cooking traditional foods? Do you see that as your role? Uh, there's a lot of leadership that there, there's a lot of potential for that leadership. Winnescawin, as I say, has been for 6,400 years the meeting place, not just of the Plains Creek, of the Blackfoot, of the Soto, of the Dene, of the Lakota, of the Nakoda. There's been many, many nations on that site. So what I think it can be is a meeting place for ideas. Am I, am I going to say the leader? No. Am I going to say a, a facilitator? Yes. You know, like, I don't, I'm not going to supply the answers of what Indigenous cuisine is to the, to the world. I, but if I can facilitate that with a bunch of great minds and, and a lot of knowledge, I would love to. To me, Wanuskewin's um, role and where I'm, where my concentrations net are right now is uh, Indigenous hospitality. Defining that, what does that look like? <clears throat> you know, we've, uh, as, as I say in some speeches that I give, we've been gathering there for 6,400 years and I tell my staff, we're not going to mess that up on my shift. <laughs> no pressure, but. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think Wanuskewin has a great place, again, to, to keep that tradition of meeting and, and let's meet there and let's, um, let's give access to. What, it, it's a great place to connect with the land, connect with uh, the culture and discuss and distribute um, the, under the right protocols, the, the, the knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely want to be a part of that, but I, I don't know if I could say that I would lead that. I would facilitate that. Well, well, thank you for being so hospitable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so on that, what benefits come from offering all those traditional foods because you you had a pretty good list of all the different things that you offer and let's put price out of the way right now but let's say what benefits to people walking in the door uh comes from having all those things to offer it's a part of the experience right and that's what that's what my organization is all about you can experience hoop dancing you can experience jingle dancing you can have the dancers explain the dance to you um so I want to be a part of that. Uh, here is, here's our bannock. This is the way we do it. This is why. Here's a taste of it. Here's our uh, hot, we do a hot elk on, on, um, on grilled bannock, like a, you know, a hot hamburger sandwich kind of idea. Um, here's a taste of elk. I have people coming from all over the world and they're like, oh, I, I want to see what this tastes like or what that tastes like. Uh, goose soup, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's giving that, it's giving that experience. It's opening up a chance to ask some questions and it, and making it, I, I mean, you know, price has to come into it. Mo. We're running a business, right? I've got so many people. I have so many families of all my staff that I think about that are counting on me, not just my cook, 
but my cook's son wants to have a good Christmas. My server and their family needs um, and, uh, to make a, a living wage. So I, I have to bring the money into it. I have to make it make financial sense so that I can continue doing what I want to do. Yeah, no, no. But uh, when you look at it like that, that's that's a lot of it added pressure you're putting on yourself. So oh, I'm highly <laughs> on <to sit. laughs> I, I guess they say that's what makes diamonds, right? Exactly. <laughs> so when when we're looking at um, our culture and our culture really believes that food is medicine, when you're taking that into consideration, what do you think that, what does that phrase mean to you? What does it mean to win a skewing? It means this, the other saying, you know, you are what you eat. Um, it's, it's being mindful of your ingredients. Um, it's being, uh, trying to get, I mean, we, there's a lot of things that we do work hand in hand with, uh, Boreal Heartland out of, uh, LaRange and they hire gatherers. So part of that food is medicine. If what I decide to purchase goes to an organization, if I'm giving my money to an organization that's then hiring local gatherers to make a, a living and to um, steward the land and know how much that they can harvest from an area, you know, that's part of the medicine, right? That's part of life. Um, so being mindful of where your dollars are going who is it supporting? You know, I'm, there, there, there's that part of me. And, but to be honest, there's the French part of me that's like, you know what? You're not coming to me every day. So have a little bit of fat mirror. Just some delicious fat as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, it, it, it's not like I'm supplying, you know, a, a different situation when, when you're in the university and you're supplying the food for your students who are there every day. And that's their their food chain i'm i'm more focused on that um exper experiential type of meal yeah. um yeah. and you're you are pretty much a one and done you're gonna come you're gonna watch the dance performance you're gonna hike the trails you're gonna uh, watch the bison you're going to um engage you're gonna come to the restaurant have something good to eat and you're gonna go home and you're gonna carry on your your eating lifestyle but if I can impart a little bit of knowledge, something to think about, uh, to take home with you and to give you a taste. Yeah, I think um, even though I think you're going with uh, decadence over nutrition, <laughs> but I, I think there is kind of a, a decadence that uh, plays out in health. And so those the role that food has in healing and wellness, when you're saying you have some fats in it, I mean, you know, fats aren't bad. And so I think all the things that we give people in the way of food has the opportunity to be able to heal and create wellness for those people. Because wellness, I think, and I don't know about you, but wellness means uh, overall, you know, mind, body, soul. And so I think if you put one of your elk on bannock hot elk on bannock uh in front of me i think my soul would be taken care of <laughs> soul food right there <laughs> right yeah so, no exactly yeah with um 
with your experiences around the country because you you went kind of left and right all 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 over the place has and it, those experiences for you really have let you be involved with traditional foods and their importance to their peoples from all around is this just lucky or did you kind of actually plan that with your training no not planned by training planned by my bohemian gypsy lifestyle that i had as a you know i was a, a 1984 green mohawk punk rocker who was you know traipsing about the country and and now it's just kind of been my lifestyle to be somewhat nomadic i'm a homebody now like oh my god i, I go visit my parent or my mom for a, a week and i'm i'm homesick i want to go home <laughs> but i was that the nomadic lifestyle was I embraced it and and cooking allowed me to I could pop into a kitchen anywhere and get a job you know it it you know 45 minutes to get a job in, at that time in a kitchen because nobody else wants to do it so so doing that was was a part of I had the lifestyle and the cooking allowed me to keep that lifestyle going I was just curious curious by nature you know, just wanted to see the country. That's great. That's that's great. I think when I look at the pictures and the food uh, of the food that you put out, it's it's mindful. It's thoughtful. It's uh, very when you said traditional esque or you know traditional forward. I get a lot out of seeing those pictures because. It's important to, for us to realize where we're from, but where we're at now. So I really appreciate your experiences when it comes to the food that gets put out. I'm, I'm excited to see them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's great. We're, we're, running, we're running to the end. So as we go, I always have a last question. Yeah. And so that last question is, do you have any advice for any youth listening to this podcast for health and wellness or just for any old dug to the masses <laughs> advice? Um, everything in moderation, enjoy life, but be mindful, you know, think, think about it. It's taken me all these years to be mindful about all my actions. You, you are, you know, you're on my Facebook. You see, I, I make my own clothes. Um, I choose not to participate in fast fashion. I choose not to support people that are making nothing as a living to work in sweatshops to make clothes that are disposable. That's going to clog up the landfill that has no value to me. Whereas now I've, I've slowed down. I've taken a step back. I, I sold my clothes on a 1936 treadle on a, uh, 19, 12 hand crank singer sewing machine. I now have a 1880s chain stitch sewing machine. Um, I make <laughs> my clothes. It takes a long time to do it, but I don't throw it out because it's out of style. It's because this took me a lot to do. And I think that philosophy can get uh, transferred into, into the food you eat, you know, junk food from McDonald's. Tastes pretty good, but is that is that what you want to make your life about, or do you want to stop and make those fantastic demi glazes and and render the bones and and 
be a part of the, the big process. So I, I would say just stop, enjoy life, but be mindful of, of your actions in anything you do. Well, that's, that's great to hear, sir. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm glad that was it. Some, sometimes we don't stop um, to smell the pizza, you know? <laughs> or, or just stop and think, what am I doing? <laughs> like, you know, you just get in a habit. This is life. We we don't make our own clothes. We go shopping. We buy some clothes, and we got a really good deal on sh- on Sheen, and it's gonna come in the mail. And it's so super cute. But next summer, I don't like it anymore. And into the garbage, and into the garbage, and into the garbage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good thing for us to pass along. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, thanks for your time, sir. You have a, a great day. It was great chatting with you. I always appreciate your uh, your time, expertise, and uh, vision of the world. So uh, you have a great day, and I'll leave you alone now. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Talk to you soon. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Eat Well Saskatchewan for their continuing support of our podcast, Our Food is Our Future. Eat Well Saskatchewan is a free provincial service offered by the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan and funded in part by Indigenous Services Canada. Eat Well Saskatchewan is here to help bridge the gap for nutrition services to rural, remote and isolated communities that lack easy access to dietitians. And a huge thank you goes out to the Community Initiatives Fund for our funding and their vision. Without their support, we couldn't tell the stories of our people, our communities, our food, and our future. A heartfelt thank you, M. Marseille.